I'm Jessica Watts, and this is WNUR News at 6. Tonight, goodbye Northwestern geography. The Golden Girls take Chicago. Things students truly value and the NU Sports Report. Those stories and more coming up. From Northwestern University, this is WNUR News at 6. The Northwestern Geography program is closing shop at the end of the school year, but that doesn't mean the legend has to die with it. Reporter Gabby Shell takes a look back at the program over the years and discusses the future of geography at Northwestern. For decades, the Northwestern Geography program has been the subject of mythic curiosity. Why is it inside of the anthropology department? How has one professor managed to propagate the entire program? Who are these chosen few geography majors? But the discourse will finally end this summer when the geography department closes its doors for good. Professor John Hudson, the chair of the geography department, has finally decided to retire. It's better to, uh, it's better to go while it's your decision, not when you're, <laughs> you're forced to. And uh, I had been thinking about it, and uh, this, this last one, I thought, well, this, would, this should be at 82. I have had the idea of retiring before, but I would put it off, and you something you can't put off forever. Now in his 80s, Professor Hudson is looking forward to using his retirement to immerse himself in his interests and catch up on projects that have been sitting on the back burner. I have a book that I have not been able to get published, but I haven't given up on it. Uh, That would be a a college-level book on geography of Illinois, and it's it's a very old-fashioned kind of subject, but the book is there and probably need some more work so that's uh, that's one project that, that I have I have a couple of, of uh, short pieces that I've promised people that I would write I have no trouble uh, staying busy with stuff Professor Hudson first came to Northwestern in 1971 back when geography had its own separate department By 1986, he was one of two tenure geography professors left. It was no surprise to Hudson when Northwestern President Arnold Weber made the call to shut down the department. Since they were both tenured, Professor Michael Dacey and Professor Hudson were absorbed into the larger anthropology department. Not long after, Dacey founded the Mathematical Models and Social Science, or MMSS, department, leaving his days as geography professor behind. So it really just left me teaching geography. And I asked the dean, I asked Dean Weingarten, I said, well, we're not going to have a department, can we have a program? He said, yes, but it has to depend only on Hudson and Daisy, nothing else. With no funding coming from the university, Hudson was forced to make a choice, lead the program by himself or say goodbye to Northwestern Geography. And for 37 years, I have been the program in geography. Despite being a one-man run program, classes are usually pretty lively. Madeline Williams, a junior majoring in economics and geography, often found it hard to gauge the size of the program because so many students would take geography classes to fulfill distribution requirements or simply for fun. 
although the department's really small because it's just one professor for everything Hudson. Um, and it's like in itself, because all the classes are always pretty full because you can like, two of them are natural sciences, so a lot of people take that as like a natural science, the econ can have for econ, and there's a lot of them can double count for like electives and other things. So honestly, it's like not that different. To keep the geography department running solo, Professor Hudson took on a higher workload. So I've always taught more. I've always taught five lecture courses a year, which is more than most professors teach. By taking on an extra class each quarter, Hudson made sure that there were enough course offerings for both a major and a minor in geography. A geography major was, uh, was cre uh, created a, an adjunct major. You have to major in something else. And over the years, there have been uh, d dozens of people got a geography major. And now this year, we finally got down. The last two majors and one minor are finishing up. That's as one of the last two geography majors at Northwestern, William feels that the small size of the program has in some ways been a benefit, allowing her to create a deeper relationship with Professor Hudson than she might otherwise have. Like you get to know him after he's like, oh, hi, Madeline. He's like, he knows her, like he knows him from Switzerland. So it's like kind of like stay after class, talk a bit. So I would say like definitely. I mean, it's when you have a professor for so many quarters. I asked Williams if there were any moments or classes that stuck out to her in her time with the geography department. I really liked, uh, I can't remember the exact name, but I think it's Chicago and its greater region or something like super similar to that, which you probably if I don't mind. I thought that one was just cool because it's nice to get to know like where you are. So I think like, especially being a Northwestern student, I feel like kind of separated from Evanston a lot of time. So it was nice just to get to learn more about like what like industries were originally here, how was like Chicago like founded, how was it created, why did people move here, and like things kind of like that. And that was like nice to like feel more connected. Chicago and its greater region, or Geography 312, has been taught by Professor Hudson for years. In fact, it is the only class he is teaching this quarter. The class begins with the changes in physical geography in the Midwestern region and discusses the indigenous populations that originally lived in the area, along with the conditions of their displacement. After that, it moves on to the more modern geography of Chicago, changes in its layout, population growth, and industry. The course offerings in the geography department didn't always look like they do now. When I came, we taught mathematical models of this and that, everything that we could think of. It was very theoretical, very mathematical, and it was not, uh, it was not successful. As time went on, Hudson made the decision to shift the program away from the mathematical geography of the 70s and 80s to a more regional, historical look at the subject. And so there's, a, there's quite a big shift. I might say about a 99% shift in the courses that we, that we offered from, the, from 1971 when I arrived to, until today. With all of the change in the geography department, and now the end of it, I was left wondering what place geography has at Northwestern and in higher education in general. I asked two of Northwestern's three last geographers what they thought the discipline had to offer. I definitely think like a lot of what we learn like is pretty valuable and I, I wouldn't want to like lose geography as a whole. And I'm like it's like it's like a really like expansive topic and I would I would have liked to see it grow. I feel like there could have been an opportunity to like bring in more like outside like instructors, like professors, things like that to like kind of grow the program. I think that the main thing that geography has to offer is totally obvious. It's just like history. Why, why not become familiar with who you are? Why, 
when it rains, <laughs> all of these things, just becoming better acquainted with the world you live in. And a lot of geography teaching is really addresses that uh, more than anything else. It's basic information, it's learning how to understand the environment, how to understand uh, the economy, try to understand why this happens and that happens on a worldwide basis. For WNUR News, I'm Gabby Shell. The ladies of the Lanai take to the stage in a new Golden Girls parody show in Chicago this month. Sophia Casa has the story. Thank you for being a friend. It's hard to find someone who doesn't like the Golden Girls. Nearly 40 years after the sitcom first aired, they're still as popular as ever, with the show bringing audiences both on cable and streaming. And now they can be seen in an entirely new medium the stage. As the parody show Golden Girls The Laughs Continue begins its run in Chicago at the Broadway Playhouse. We're basically putting these these five characters um, that we knew in the 80s and 90s in today. You know, everything looks the same. All the costumes look the same. The set looks the same. But the scenarios are a little bit different. That's Jason Bowen, who plays two roles in the show. One is Stan, Dorothy's ex-husband and arguably the Golden Girls' villain. And another is Bert, a new role invented for this show. Bert is a completely different character. It's a Dorothy's current love interest in the show. While Dorothy has a new beau, the other girls aren't left out of the fun. Blanche and Rose have founded a dating app for senior citizens that Dorothy sets up an account on. Meanwhile, Sophia has been placed on house arrest for selling some, let's call them dubious, cheesecakes. We like to say that this is sort of uh, the audience's opportunity to come to the most unhinged live taping of a Golden Girls episode that uh, they've ever seen. That's actor Ryan Bernier who plays Dorothy. Another thing setting apart this show from its on-screen counterpart is that none of the titular ladies of the lanai are played by women. For Bernier, the Golden Girls The Laughs Continue is just one part of a history of male parody cast for this show. As queer men, some of the first people that we really latched onto as celebrities, as icons, are these women. And it's because we see something in them that we maybe didn't immediately recognize in ourselves, or maybe we weren't allowed to show about ourselves. And so I think uh, the tradition of having uh, men play these characters is simply that it's just a chance for us to express something that we really connected with uh, at an early age, and now we get to do for um, everybody as an adult. And despite these changes, at its core, this parody show is the same as its sitcom counterpart. Dorothy is still taking care of her mother, Blanche is as flirtatious as ever, Sophia is still causing chaos, and Rose is still the heart of the group. But why do we still care about the show all these years later? Well, while the quote-unquote typical audience for the Golden Girls is older women, something that makes the show unique is its ability to appeal to so many different people, as Liz McCabe, who is an assistant professor of instruction in Chicago Field Studies at Northwestern, who also teaches a course on sitcoms, notes. I think this particular show speaks to an audience that's trying to like reject something else about expectations of whether it's gender or seriousness or um, an emphasis on uh, heteronormative family instead of your friends as your family. This appeal is part of the reason the Golden Girls have remained relevant for so long. Another reason? There has been a nostalgia for sitcom structure of a very traditional sort since about 
the mid 2000s, 2010 ish. So I think that it has kind of ramped back up in popularity in this wave of nostalgia for uh, the media and art of the 80s and 90s. And it's this nostalgia that brings people week after week all across the country to see the show. Something Jason Bowen knows more than anyone else as a cast member. Especially with a show like this, because people are coming with so much nostalgia to um, be a part of the show. And, and it's funny, the age range of people that come to the Golden Girls, it's everywhere from, you know, late teens all the way up to 80 year olds and people that grew up with their mom or grew up with their grandma. Because at the end of the day, the Golden Girls isn't just a show for older women or queer men or even Gen Z. It's a show for everyone, as Ryan Bernier says. We open the show with a theme song. And when the audience is singing that theme song along, suddenly it's not just actor audience. It's not just spectator performer. It's one large community getting together to come and laugh. Simply put, bringing people together is what the Golden Girls has been doing best for the past 40 years. And hopefully for many, many, many more years to come. Golden Girls The Laughs Continue runs February 6th through 25th at Chicago's Broadway Playhouse. For WNUR News, I'm Sophia Kesa, not Patrillo. Technology is everywhere, but it's not the only important thing in life. Want to know what else students value? Anavi Prakash has the story. Technology is an integral part of many students' daily lives. It's how we keep in touch with family, communicate with friends, and even do our homework. However, there are other things that are equally as important. Like paints, I like to paint a lot in my free time, so it's a really nice de-stressor that I do a lot. That was Weinberg freshman Ishal Kizilbosch. She started painting during the pandemic, and now she paints in her dorm to end her day. It's a nice little wind-down activity. Music is pretty much what I listen to all day, so... It's only natural to have it on while I paint. Kizilbosch said her last painting was of a jellyfish she found on Pinterest. Graduate student Steffi Chen finds relaxation in reading books, a hobby she took up during winter break. When I got back into reading, I was just like, oh yeah, there's like so much there. And it's something that I've been like kind of doing like every single day now too. As a computer engineer, Chen said she spends a lot of time with technology, but books are a way to get a break from it. Chen said she was surprised to learn how many other Northwestern students are avid readers. However, this is now working in her favor. I got a lot of recommendations. Now it's like, if I'm wanting to read, I know there's a list I can go back on. Chen said she is currently rereading the Alex Ryder series. Regardless of what they're studying, according to a University of Louisville study, College students spend an average of seven to nine hours using technology on a daily basis. Five of those hours are spent on schoolwork, leaving up to four hours for recreational use. Weinberg sophomore Giovanni Lopez values the items he uses on a daily basis. Footwear, a good jacket, backpack, wallet. I put everything in my wallet. My wallet card stays there. Lopez said keeping his wild card in his wallet prevents him from losing it. I feel like me keeping my wallet card in the wallet helps me 
Never forget my wallet card. My roommate, he always forgets his wallet card. He just has it out in his pocket. Bulkiness is also an important characteristic in a wallet for Lopez, especially after he lost his wallet on the CTA freshman year. I was wearing sweatpants with big pockets and it just slipped out, but it was a very slim wallet. So I didn't notice. So that's why I appreciate the bulk of this one. And <laughs> because every time it's not there, I notice right away. So I'm gonna stack, just like put randomly gift cards just to make it stuff. <laughs> Whether it's things used to de-stress, like paints and books, or an everyday necessity like a wallet, technology isn't the only important thing in life, even though sometimes it takes up nine hours of a day. From WNUR News, I'm Anavi Prakash. A 16-game winning streak? Multiple overtime thrillers? A lot happened in Northwestern sports this past week. Gabe Shumway has the NU Sports Report. Hello, I'm Gabe Shumway here with your NU Sports Report on everything from this past week. Welsh Ryan Arena's first women's basketball sellout was seen this past Wednesday as Iowa came to Evanston. The number three ranked team in the nation proved an uphill battle for Northwestern as they eventually fell by a score of 110 to 74. Junior Mel Daly led the team with 19 points off the bench on 8 for 17 shooting. Senior Caitlin Clark led the charge for Iowa with a double-double, 35 points and 10 assists. The Cats recovered nicely in their next matchup, however, taking a 26-point win against Wisconsin also at Welsh Ryan. This victory came on the back of an incredible performance for sophomore Caroline Lau, who netted a college career-high 24 points alongside five assists and six rebounds. The team will take on Illinois on the road Thursday, beginning at 6. The men's basketball team had two nail-biting games earlier this week, both of which went into overtime on the road. First off was last Wednesday, where they lost to number 2-ranked Purdue in West Lafayette. The eventual score was 105-96, to Purdue. Scoring was led by National Player of the Year favorite Zach Eady for Purdue, with 30 points and 15 rebounds. He was aided by sophomore Braden Smith's 16 assists. For the Cats, seniors Boo Booey and Ty Berry both scored 25 points, with the former netting 8 assists to go along with it. The team then made the journey to Minneapolis on Saturday, where they underwent another nine-point loss in overtime, this time by a score of 75-66. to 66. Junior Brooks Barnheiser had a double-double in this effort with 11 points and 10 rebounds, but it was no match for Minnesota's offense, led by junior Dawson Garcia and first-year Cam Christie. The team will match up with Nebraska at home tonight, beginning at 8 p.m. The women's fencing team hosted the Northwestern Duels this past weekend, coming away with a total record of 10-0. This was highlighted by wins over Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, and Cornell, ranked 2nd, 5th, 8th, and 10th in the nation, respectively. This extends the Cats' winning streak to 16 consecutive matches. They will be at the Tar Heel Duels in North Carolina this coming Saturday. Both men's and women's swimming and diving had eventful weekends as well, with the women's team going a combined 1-2. and two. 
This included a 194-172 win against Iowa, alongside losses to Minnesota and Purdue, all of which in West Lafayette. The men's team could not clinch a win at Purdue this weekend, going 0-2, joining women's swimming and diving and men's basketball with losses to Minnesota and Purdue. Despite the losses, graduate student Andrew Martin placed first in the 100-yard freestyle, and junior Tyler Liu won two golds and three bronze in this meet, netting him a second-place finish in the high-point results. Both teams will look forward to the Big Ten Championships later this month. After their first exhibition last month, the women's lacrosse team will have their first official game this Saturday as Syracuse comes to Ryan Fieldhouse. That wraps up your NU Sports Report for this week. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Gabe Shumway, WNUR News. Now for a brief look at the forecast. Cloudy skies and wind chills will continue to sweep over Evanston tomorrow with a high of 53 degrees. Although temps will drop overnight, the sun is coming back out Friday afternoon to bring numbers back up throughout the day. Saturday brings temps in the high 30s and low 40s with partial sun. Taking a look into the headlines in Evanston, Chicagoland, and across the nation and globe. The Cook County State's Attorney's Office decided to dismiss the Class A misdemeanor filed against two Northwestern students earlier this year. These charges were in connection with copies of the Daily Northwestern that were tampered with in October following the events in Gaza. A 48-year-old Chicago man was killed in a motorcycle accident last night around 5.30 p.m. The crash happened between the 200 block of Asbury Avenue between Howard and Oakton Avenue when the man was struck by a Toyota RAV4 driven by a 32-year-old Chicago resident. Investigators do not believe that impairment was a factor in the crash. A major bipartisan border deal and foreign aid package intended to assist Ukraine and Israel was turned down by Senate Republicans earlier today. The deal would have enacted restrictive border measures after Republicans had demanded that border security be part of the bill. However, the bill was rejected after pressure from former President Donald Trump, who is making the border a central campaign issue in his race to reclaim the presidential candidacy this November. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on X at WNUR News and Instagram at WNUR News 89.3. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNURnews.org. That's WNURnews.org. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Cara Totley, and our reporters are Gabby Shell, Sophia Kesa, Anavi Prakash, and Gabe Shumway. I'm Jessica Watts. Catch our next newscast Friday, February 9th. Now, back to scheduled programming.